We definitely got to. <laughs> What's up, L, L Nation? Man, we were just sharing some funny stuff offline. We'll bring it to you. This is the Lucky Lefty Podcast. I'm Sean Davis at SB2 Mics. My God, the original Lucky Lefty himself, Malik Zaire at Overtime Malik. As always, brought to you by Anora Whiskey. Go to AnoraWhiskey.com. It's that premium American whiskey. That's right, AnoraWhiskey.com. As always, go subscribe, share, and like on the YouTube channel. And don't forget, we're also available on Apple Podcasts at A2S Network. That's A2S Network. Great show today. As always, we have to put somebody on the petty train. But before we get to that, we're going to talk about the running back situation at Notre Dame, how it's shaping up. And then we're going to get to Marcus Freeman being at the big boy table, throwing out scholarships that would never have been thrown out under a previous regime. And also transfer report, what's to come? Nick Saban warned us, and we're starting to see the fallout. Guys winning national championships, transferring to the team that they just beat in the national championship game. It's getting crazy. It's, it's, it's getting crazy. It's getting crazy. And then we'll also talk about, give a little review of Inside the Garage, their podcast, some interesting things that were said on that podcast. We'll cover it all and then talk about your comments and your questions that you have for us. Always feel free. Let us know where you're tapping in from. We want to know. We appreciate you, LL Nation. So let's go. Let's get into it. The running back situation and running back room at Notre Dame has been one of the most productive rooms at Notre Dame over the last decade. Whether they have a running back coach, whether you like Autry Denson as a recruiter, whomever they bring in in concert with Harry Heastan or Jeff Quinn as the offensive line coach, the Notre Dame system and offense has been able to produce at the running back position. So my question to everybody today, LL Nation, how comfortable do you feel with the running back room going into the next season? How comfortable do you feel about the running back room going into next season, the spring and the fall? And I'll start with this. The Fiesta Bowl, in my opinion, was a one-off. That was just a that that was not representative of Notre Dame's running game. But Notre Dame's running game for the was below standard or below the standard or the below the norm all year long. So do you attribute that to because we know how good Kyron is? Do you strictly attribute that to the offensive line and his struggles? Or was it something more to that? Because yeah, it's hard to it's hard to say that Kyron was that big of an impact on the team where it affected the running game how it did, but I, I was a little disappointed in not seeing just the overall effectiveness of the room. Yeah, not just an individual. I thought, yeah, maybe individually they'll some will struggle, but I thought we was gonna see a lot more action, which you know I can't blame it all on the uh, running back room because we threw the ball 68 times. So you're taking a small sample size and saying we didn't do well at it, but I don't think it was a fair enough chance for how young a room is like that. I think you can throw it 68 times with a guy like Kyron because Kyron can make 23 rushes or 23 touches or whatever the case is uh, more, more productive than what a, young room like that needs you know a young room like that needs the ball at least 50 times 10 each 
person, you know, to get going, just to fill out the game. And it was against a good defense. So, you know, you got a lot of factors included in that as well. Um, I do think that they, they did get the experience that I wish Tyler would have gotten uh, in that game because I do think that they'll be ready for the Ohio State game. They're looking to run hard. We already seen them apologize 50,000 times on the Internet. So I do think they'll have a better performance than what they showed in Fiesta Bowl, which is great, you know, which is what we want. But at the end of the day, we have to show more commitment to the run game. And I think, like you said, it's not a reflective uh, moment on what we'll look like on the offense. I don't think I don't think he'll trust Tyler to throw it that many times. But I do think we'll see a consistent running game develop uh, through this next season, especially through the spring and the fall camp. So with that being said, give me Tyron's been the, the bell cow. Do you foresee a situation where Chris Tyree is that bell cow? Or do you think one of the younger guys becomes that, that hammer to the nail for the Notre Dame uh, running offense? I think one thing we saw that was really nice is how they used Chris Tyree in the first half at the Fiesta Bowl putting him on some motions, giving him some handoffs, throwing it to him a little bit, him working in the, in the special team. So I don't think we'll see more of direct handoffs like we did with Kyron, but I hope to see more of what we did in the first half, just more of it in the next season. I don't think they're going to change the identity of the type of player he is. I don't think he's an in-between-the-tackles kind of guy, so I don't think he'll be the, the bell cow like a Logan Diggs can be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's more of a specialized player, some of a – hybrid between of a of a Amir and a CJ Sanders, you know. So it'll be interesting to see how Tommy gets creative. You know, it all goes back to what is the offense going to look like. I don't think too many people really know, especially after looking at the Fiesta, but we know it's not going to look like that. <laughs> so we have incoming Jadarian Price, who in my opinion, he had a fantastic senior season. Uh, the difference I saw from his junior tape to his senior tape was phenomenal. So I'm very excited to see him get some snaps. But we talk about Logan Diggs and Audrey Estimate. You've been behind an offensive line, that, and you've had different types of running backs next to you. You've had a Torian Folsom, you know what I'm saying, that was pretty much uh, LaShawn McCoy-like. And then you had a C.J. Procise next to you, a speed back. You know, you want to get to the outside, get him into space. What do you see Harry Heastan doing with the offensive line that maybe they didn't do a lot of this year? And what type of running game do you see with big guys like Logan Diggs and Audrey Estimate as opposed to what they might do with a Chris Tyree? I think those are punishing running backs when you think of Audrey Estimate, uh, especially in the sense of what Harry Heastan is definitely going to do is work on second level reaching for that O-line and those combo blocks from the interior guys getting to that second level, those linebackers and reaching for those safeties even potentially. When we want to do the four-minute offense that I, I feel like it has to be a part of the game, having a Harry Heastan, you want to close out games, especially with the run game. So Audrey Estimate will be perfect fit for what a Harry Heastan gives you. Uh, what we've seen, you know, I think CJ was more of like a DeMarco Murray uh, trying to hit the edges of speed back. He's going to hit downhill and, and maybe give you something, but he's more just going to run past you. And then Tarian, like you said, was a great 
all around back in between the tackles. He wasn't the, the fastest, but he's going he's gonna to get behind those blocks, which we were really good at, you know, during the time we were there. So I really feel like uh, they don't have quite a Tarian, but I think a Jadarian Price would be uh, more suiting for all around back that they will fit best with what Harry Heastan's trying to do. But in closing out games, I think Estime is definitely the one to to, to kick it off with. Uh, Logan Diggs is a guy I like starting the game, somebody that uh, I feel like those can give you early momentum if he's given the right chance. And I think all the running backs are going to be given their own unique chance with an offensive line that's going to give them time. As long as they're not getting hit at the line of scrimmage like we were in the Fiesta Bowl and even in Cincinnati in some cases, I think that's going to be the, the biggest notice to change. You're not going to be seeing guys just getting us from uh, no yards in the backfield. So you have this experience and you can speak to the fan base really about what Tyler Buckner sees or what a Logan Diggs sees, right? Because Logan Diggs wants to, and Kyron was a very patient runner. Logan Diggs was very similar, very patient runner. How impactful is it when the offensive line isn't able to reestablish the line of scrimmage or to open up holes when you're a patient runner? How does that impact your style? And a lot of times we said after games that Kyron tiptoed a little bit too much this game. But, I mean, yo, if nothing is there, and he's waiting patiently, trying to be Le'Veon Bell and wait for that hole so he can burst through. Like, how impactful is that for a running back and in the RPO game for a quarterback like yourself and what Tyler Buckner might be looking at? Well, as a quarterback, especially you watching it from behind after you hand it off and you see that there's nothing there, I'm unfortunately, I'm more like, all right, just go ahead and hit it and fall so we can move on. But, you know, as you've seen, Le'Veon kind of changed the game with some some of the inspiration he's been able to have on being more patient. But you got to think, you know, in the NFL, those collisions and blocking is a little different than, you know, guys going full out on Saturday. You know, those guys on Sunday are more strategic about just laying all out for the run. So you can do all a right. little more patient running. In college, you know, <laughs> everybody's moving as a unit. Everybody's selling out, going hard as they can. So the, the running style for Le'Veon in the NFL is, is way different than college, even though being patient is important. But in the case of what we were looking at with Logan Diggs getting in there and being too patient, kind of tipping a little bit, sometimes you got to just hit it and go, especially knowing that the offensive line is not going to give you the, the, the amount of time to develop to the second level that you'll need to be able to do that because we – He's struggling with the one-on-one. So right. sometimes you just got to run through some arm tackles, which, you know, you work on the individual drills. But I think that's an experience that they've had that they've seen from Kyron and they've watched Kyron do it for so long that they're like, okay, I'm going to do it like Kyron. I mean, that's a natural thing. But with Harry, he's staying improving that offensive line. The styles will come out more. You can see more of what a – the difference between a Logan Diggs and an Estime and a Jadea being Price and and just the guy, Chris Tyree even. I think Chris Tyree is going to benefit just because he's going to be in space. And the best thing that Coach Heastan does, in my opinion, is, is his ability to stretch on those outside zone runs and get the line running so you can stretch and pierce. And that's something that Tarion was really good at and CJ became really good at. 
was piercing uh, those 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 stretch plays and, and increasing the defense for some yards. The offensive line for me under Harry Heastan was always supremely athletic. And maybe I was wrong. Because, like, the way Quentin Nelson would get up to the second level, like, it was too – like, how did this dude get to the second level that fast? Like, we saw how nasty he was picking up. Of course, everybody remembers the hit on the Blitzen uh, DB from Georgia when he came across and just ear the dude. What is it about Harry Heastan and how he teaches? Like, when you're a quarterback and you're behind that offensive line and he's screaming at them and telling them something, are you saying, no, I didn't even think about that? Or are you saying, yeah, he's right? That's what I've been saying. Yeah, 99% of the time, you'll be like, yeah, okay, I see what you're saying. Like, that makes sense. Like, these are good coaching points. Some of the time when coaches be yelling, you be like, all right, you telling me something I know. But Coach Heastan would be telling you something that you'd be like, you can't even be mad at him. You know what I mean? You get to cussing and going crazy. And you understand. You're like, damn, I, you know, I got you. You know, one of those kind of things. However, there's levels to it as well. Like, you'll think you're doing good, but he's yelling at you to take it to another level. So that's that's a, a great style of coaching. He's giving, He's bringing more out of the players. And I think that's how Quentin got so comfortable being – aggressive as he was because coach Heastan was just so you know embraced it and also developed and and, and uh, honed in on it for him so his ability to use his talent and his, his aggressiveness I mean it was a perfect fit for Harry Heastan to push him the, the right way and it developed him into what he is today so he stands a great a great guy for doing things like that and the most important stat moving forward we definitely saw how impactful it was for it not to be up to standard, but yards per carry. Because I think as Tommy Reeves tries to put his own fingerprint on this offense and moves away from this being a heavy running back or heavy rush offense built around the run to attract more wide receivers, to attract the elite wide receivers, and to attract elite quarterbacks and recruiting. What's going to be important for the running backs that they want to see coming in and the running backs are in their running back room is yards per carry. Like we want to keep your rushes down, but we want to give you more yards per average so that you can get similar production with less carries. Yeah, that's right. And I think that's what Kyron was so good at, especially early on with a, a young offensive line trying to figure it out is that, like you said, one of the most amazing ones he had, what was it, the Virginia Tech game? Yeah, the Virginia or, Tech game for that 11-yard touchdown. Yeah, just the, the, you know, that's a two-yard carry for Logan Diggs early on. You know, Kyron's turning those two-yard carries into 11-yard touchdowns, but dodging 10 guys before he gets there. That's something that Kyron made the offensive line look better with. But now with Harry Heastan, it's going to alleviate at least you having to duck 10 guys, maybe knock it down to five, right? And that's for for young guys like that running back room, that's a good start to develop to get to where Kyron ended up at his senior year. This is something I want to ask because I always wanted Notre Dame to be elite at the screen game. You would always tell me, like, bro, for some reason. Our screens are so trash. I don't understand. Like, is that scheme or 
Because, like, when you run a quick game, even the quick screens to the outside, RPOs, is that all about the quick release and the athleticism of the quarterback and his feet? Or is it more just about the design of the play? So one of the reasons why I don't think screens was very great for us is because we wasn't a team that was dropping back that much anyway. You know, you'll see us doing all type of different shifts and and, and, and gadget type of stuff. We wasn't such a drop back team like in the Fiesta Bowl. So when it came to screens, D-Lines wasn't really rushing us like that to begin with. Right. To like pin their ears back on us because we was always running or play action or some kind of move in the pocket. When it comes to running RPOs, you're really putting defenders in binds. And it's more just your decision making. Is a is a guy a good decision maker? Does he turn his homework on time? You know, that's I think that's where the weird stuff come in when you're recruiting for coaches because the decision maker at the quarterback position is so important, you know, and that's especially important when it comes to the RPO game. I mean, even Nick Foles, you're not expecting him to be an athletic quarterback, but he was famous and won a Super Bowl running RPOs. Right. So it's about your decision-making and and knowing who you're looking at and being decisive. If you indecisive, not pulling the trigger and handing it off, you're going to be getting killed because there's no protection. You know, you stuck with the ball in the middle of a bunch of stuff going on. So it's important that – uh. At the end of the day, I think it fits more for the quarterback that's suited for it. So a guy like Tyler Buckner is suited for RPOs because he does have a quick release. You know, he can get the ball out in different arm angles, which nowadays quarterbacks are showing more of on Instagram and you're seeing more to Patrick Mahomes and stuff. So it's not even about technique. It's like you're almost playing a – what's that? A game where you hit against the wall, that type of thing. Right. Yeah, it's one, it's one of them type of games, a wall ball or something like that, where it's just more of a get it out your hands, which is what the game is faster now. It's about getting the ball in the space, and that's that's more of, more or less of what it is. So that's kind of why the traditional 6'5", you know, bacon-eating quarterback isn't the same type that is as suitable as some of these guys that are baseball players or rock skippers or whatever the case may be. You know, you have Lake Fisher and Joe Off, young athletic tackles, right? Showed themselves very well in the Fiesta Bowl against a really good defensive line. Is there, because I think most running games, in my opinion, always had great interior line from guard to guard. Like, you're going to have a power running game. You know, if you want to get outside, then you need those tackles that can set the edge. Harry Heastan was able to develop all of that. <laughs> yeah. But great centers, great guards, great tackles. The preference is always, which was strange because it seemed like Notre Dame would have a great left side. And in tough situations, that's where they would go. But it seemed like the majority of the power runs would be to the right side. And I will always think, like, man, if it was me, I would just run behind Quentin and McGee every, like, all game long. But it was like they built up early on. It was almost like going through, like, the Bulls would go to Bill Cartwright, the first three possessions, right? Yeah. Like, dude, we're going to give you your touches in the first quarter. 
Yeah. After that, after that it's a wrap. We're going, we going to Mike and Scotty. And it was almost the same thing watching Notre Dame under Harry Heastman. Like he would give the right side the first half or the first quarter and a little bit of the second quarter. And then when things got real, it was like, we're going here. You know we're going here. There's nothing you can do about it. That's right. And just having that type of balance and building that type of confidence along the offensive line, it has to permeate to that running back room. Because as a running back, once he – see, that was a crazy thing. Like, Torian goes down that first game, right, against Texas. And everybody's like, tears his ACL, and everybody's like, oh, man. And then you're like, well, we're going to move CJ from wide receiver to running back. And as a fan, I'm like, dude, we don't have another running back? Like, we got to move CJ from wide receiver to running back? And the confidence CJ had to have because of the offensive line, dude, was like, he hit the ground running. Like, I was running that thing too now. So it was like, you know, dude, CJ. Nobody was, was trying, no one was trying to take, take, take the shine away from you, bro. We know no, I'm just that. saying, I'm just saying, like, I always told us because I used to have CJ with me when I was taking reps, when Ev was here and like all that stuff. So right. me and CJ always had a real strong connection. Like my first touchdown ever at Notre Dame was the CJ, you know, ironically. So when CJ got the running back, it was like, oh, okay, this is great because we already had that wavelength on top of the O-line being what they were. It was an easier transition. So the holes were a little bit bigger, so it was easier for them to learn how to be in and out. And then because he was a great athlete, missing tackles when guys are ducking and dodging Nick Martin and Ronnie and Q and Michael. Glenn. I mean, it just made it a, a fiesta for the run game. Yeah. So talk to us, Tommy, Harry, Tommy asked for Harry. He stand the symmetry between those two, the ability to communicate. Ultimately, how do you see this running game from Notre Dame looking different or evolving? under Tommy Reese because I don't think it's going to look the same as his look under Brian Kelly. Well, I think if anything, uh, Harry Heastan provides great, um, Harry Heastan provides great, uh, like a seniority type of leadership for Tommy to, to on a respect level to where if Harry Heastan had to offer something in the run game, most likely I feel like they'll do. Under Brian Kelly is a little different because, I mean, they are about the same rank, but I feel like Tommy would trust Harry Heastan more with handling the run game or trust his ideas that you'll see a little bit more of a Harry influence along with what Tommy's doing already with the different types of runs that they'll get off with more sweeps maybe or bubbles or whatever the case may be. So, perfect segue, because we talk about Chris Tyree and the multidimensional running back he is and how Tommy Reese might be using him in the running room and in the rush offense going into next season. Inside the garage, let's talk about and review that podcast. You know, we were able to watch it in its entirety. We answered a few questions from a couple of clips that we saw on yesterday. But being able to sit down and watch the, the entire podcast, first of all, Hilarious. I'd like to ask you, one of the things they talked about is that when you're on the football team, outside looking in, you would think that everybody knows everybody. It reminds me of like, I remember when I was a junior in high school and I saw somebody walking down the hallway and I'm like, 
Yo, who was that? She trained was she transferred in? Like, no, nah, bro, she's been here. Word? You know, because Morgan Park was a big school. Big school. We had like 3,500 students. So you know, you could literally go two to three years and not see anybody in high school until your junior year. And it's like, whoa. And it was it was kind of funny because the guys were talking about spending the bowl week together out there in Arizona. And they were like, yo, old boy is kind of cool. It's crazy. It's just crazy. Like you get to realize that somebody on the staff or somebody on the team is like, oh man, they're actually kind of cool. Because yeah. you're not kicking it with them after practice, or you really don't bump into them around campus, you really don't know their personality. So that was like the first time most of them got to spend quality time around some other teammates or staff that they hadn't been put in that position with. So that was kind of cool to hear, like, okay, now you get to know, you know, your teammates a little bit better. Was that the same experience in your bowl experience? Yeah, the bowl experience is like, it's like a big retreat with your guys that, that ends on a, on a cool football note. So you get to go out maybe the first couple days with your boys and, and then it's just a, it's just it's it's good because you know that you know guys think about going to the league, so you're right. talking about all the stuff right. that they about to get into, and they signing and talking to agents. So it's a real refreshing moment because at the beginning of the season, you thinking, oh my god, I gotta get these yards, I gotta get on this list, I gotta do this and that, I gotta get drafted. But at the end of the season, it kind of shakes out, especially if y'all good. You kind of know what's about to happen, so. Everybody is just in a in a sense like, man, let's end out on a good note with this team ass and keep it moving. But uh, it, it did change though from the Music City Bowl and then like for instance the Fiesta Bowl we played Ohio State when we were hurt, but they had you know Zeke and all the guys they had. Right. It was it was it almost felt like we were still in everything, even though it was good going out and we was even with them. Uh, before the game, like would everybody get to go out, and so we was all even together at some some point. But uh, <laughs> it's funny because they really uh, it was really competitive. You know, we really wanted to win that one, so it was very serious. But it was still that feeling of okay, either way it goes, it's a win because we about to move on to the next level. I would venture to say that the gift uh, suites were are a lot better now than they were back then. I don't know. We got the PS4 when it first dropped, and that thing was clutch. You know, it was clutch <laughs> for music because we like the Music City. But what could we possibly get? It was like that we're was playing Nashville, Rutgers. right? Yeah, no, no, no. Uh, that was New York City. So we were playing Rutgers. City Bowl? A, I'm sorry, not Music City Bowl. Uh, the Pinstripe Bowl. The Pinstripe Bowl was in uh, Pinstripe Bowl. We was in New York. Right. Right. So we were playing uh, Rutgers, and we was like, oh, what kind of gifts we going to get? I mean, it's a whack game. You know, Rutgers getting blown out by Ohio State stuff. So they end up giving us the best gifts out of all the bowl games. They give us the best gifts. They give us a PS4. Like, you can get a king-size mattress. You can get a couch. You can get all refrigerated, all type of stuff. Best, and, we had, and they gave us all parkas. We all got fresh New York caps from the Yankees. We all got, like, a, it was best – experience bowl game gifts was the pinstripe bowl after that no they the gave y'all better gift bags than Derek jeter gave his dates 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. They. I mean, we felt like Derek, uh, Derek Jeter's dates because they was just blessing us the whole time. That's when, and that was my. That's when I was young. So I was like, okay, this is what bowl games is like. Oh, we got to get right. But the games got more serious as the years went on, and it was, you know, less about the gifts, more about, damn, we got to win. We got to win. <laughs> yeah, Music City Bowl, of course, one of the lesser bowls, man. But Nashville is a great city. Like, yo, if you're going to go somewhere on a weekend with your boys, Nashville is like a sleeper. Like, it really is. It's a great town. And Vanderbilt's right down there. They got Hattie B's Hot Chicken. They got a whole bunch of great, oh, listen. I'm telling you, good eats down in Nashville. Last time I was in Nashville was actually uh, I took my uh, daughter on her college visit. Oh wow! To the bill to Vandy to Vandy, and um, it was the weekend of Vanderbilt and who came in town? I I think it was LSU. It was LSU and Vanderbilt. And dude, we we're walking that Friday night. And there was so many LSU fans on the strip, <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh, this is bananas!" And the Titans played the that Titans Sunday. across the river. The Titans played that Sunday in town, and I think it was Eagles fans there. So it was like a crazy mix. It was like Eagles fans in town, uh, LSU fans in town. All of them converged on the strip, and it's like. Yo, this is bananas. Like, man, let me just get me some hot chicken and get back to my room. Straight up. Straight up. It's wild out here. But yeah, it's a dope city. It's a dope city. Matter of fact, man, that's let that that's we'll allow that to be the question of the day. One of the questions of the day. It's like, what's the best kicking city? I don't want Vegas. I don't want to hear Vegas. What's the that's best kicking city? You and your boys ever went to, or you and your girls? When you and your girls or you and your boys get together, what's the best kicking city? I'll give you another sleeper. I'll give you another sleeper. That's a great city to kick it in. Where is that? DC. Yeah, they got a lot of cool spots you can go to. Yo, a man, night, nightclubs, bars, entertainment, wonderful city. Got to do it during the summer, though. Have to do it during the summer. All right, we'll get to some of you guys' comments in a few seconds. So one of the other things, it was a funny story. Kyle Hamilton, I didn't know this at the time, but Kyle Hamilton and Kyron were actually at the game. I believe it. And Kyle Hamilton was talking about how Kyron was on the field. And he was up in the stands in the ND section. And like, yo, he was texting Kyron, like, yo, how you get down on the field? And he was like, yo, I just walked down on the sideline. Like, I came down the side and walked down the sideline. So Kyle tried to do the same thing, right? So he does the same thing. And security was tripping a little bit and kind of talking about, like, kicking him out for a little bit. No, no, straight up. And, you know, if I was Kyle Hamilton, I would be like, you didn't see me take my helmet off first game? See, like, that's why we need crazy. more of that. That's why we need more of that. They ain't recognizing. <laughs> so that was cool that they were both at the game. But then they started talking about the preparation and how well, once again, players on Notre Dame talking about how well prepared they were. Like, dude, we were prepared. And they were talking about how in practice they went to that look on third down that eventually led to the Chris Tyree touchdown when they went up 14-zip. 
and we they were in practice and they were like we go to this on third down they're going to check to this look and this is what we're going to do and they were like yo when it happened exactly the way that they planned for it they all on the sideline like yeah there's nothing they could do and they all were like yo as long as we were in our checks like that was nothing they could do with us but they were like yo they're the best tempo team in all of college football. Like, they run plays on an average of seven seconds. Like, they get up to the ball as soon as the referee moves. Like, they're snapping the ball. They're not looking to the sideline, you know, getting changes and all of that. Like, they know what they're running. And it's simple backyard football, bro, like you've been saying. Like, this is literally simple backyard football. Spread them out our athletes against your athletes, who's going to make the play. And they talk about basically like, yo, it's our fault. Like, it, it was refreshing to hear. Yeah, duh. Like, yeah, who else fault? <laughs> like, yeah, like, yeah, of course. And I felt like, yo, put this in a time capsule so all of the fan base can hear this. Like, we stop talking about all this coaching adjustments. Look, the players on their own podcast told you, yo, this is our fault. We're upset. That cat Cam Hart said he was he stayed in Arizona for another week. He was that mad. Uh, and he didn't want to come back to Kansas. It was I don't know if he that mad. Arizona, a nice place to just be hanging around for another week. And I didn't week. realize, I didn't realize that he he and Cam, well, Cam Hart and Kyle Hamilton are like golf junkies, dude. I fell well, in I love with them. I fell in love with them even more. Right, because I'm going like tomorrow. I'm going downtown to this inside golf facility downtown Chicago with my boy. Wow, nice. Yeah, like I'm a I'm a junkie too, bro. I'm a junkie too. Like I have to wean myself off of golf. Like I would literally play 18 holes every day. Oh, you play for real? Yeah. If I could, I would play 18 holes every day. But I have to live life, dude. I got a family. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's how disrespect, man, I'm so disrespectful. Like, if we go on vacation, because I don't do amusement parks like that, bro. Oh, okay. That's a fair trade. I'm not scared. You know what I don't like? I'd rather go golf. You know what turns me off? My time. Like, I hate wasting my time. and that's Oh, standing in lines is not your thing. Yeah, them long lines. Like, I don't like waiting on food at restaurants. I don't care how good the food is at a restaurant. I walk in and you tell me it's a 45-minute wait, I can go find something else. I'm hungry. Yeah, straight up. Like, I'm ready to eat now. I'll do 10 to 15. LL Nation, let me know if I'm tripping. Like, how long should you wait for good food at a restaurant? I'll do 15 to 20 minutes. When you start getting above 30 minutes, like, nah. Doing too much. Yeah, it's too much good food in this world, man. I'll come back to you all on another day. So, matter of fact, have you made your Valentine's Day reservation? See, you putting people on the spot, man. You, uh, bro, I'll tell you, I have it. But this is okay. Why. Okay, yeah, definitely. You know, it's still January, I, man. I have know. it. Me and the missus, <laughs> the missus and I. No, the reason I ask is because the missus and I, we just refuse. We go. We go the Monday before Valentine's Day. Oh, okay. Yeah, because yeah. obviously it's yeah. impossible to book on, yeah. on the day of, even months out in some cases. Yeah, we flip-flop, right? Like, odd years was her year to plan Valentine's Day. 
even year was my year. Nice. So we just came to the, you know, after years of, you know, man, everything's booked up. It's like, you know what? Let's just go to Monday before Valentine's Day, celebrate that day. We don't have to worry about, you know, working our schedule or working everything around work, the weekend. Let's just do it that Monday and we're good. So that's how we solve the issue. I'm not telling everybody else to do that because I don't know if your girl or your significant other will rock with that. That's a great plan. No, but I'm saying you go early in the week, you celebrate, and then the actual day you exchange cards, Netflix, and chill. That's it. While everybody out is out dealing with the hustle and bustle. That's all I'm, I'm with saying. that. I'm with that. But no, you know, he stayed behind and just to, you know, yeah, I would do. I don't like amusement parks, I don't like the weight. And so literally I take my golf clubs and like I let everybody else go to the amusement park on family vacation and I go play golf. And I'm good. Like I'll see y'all at dinner. I'm straight. So you you don't even need nothing. You just need your little golf clubs wow. and you look hit me later. Man, that's it. That's it. And they're like, man, Sean, we haven't seen you all vacation. I'm straight. You I've been vacationing all, all the time. Like my vacation is going going wonderful. <laughs> absolutely wonderful but i didn't realize how much of golf junkies they were dude yeah that was a i was like oh man i would love to play 18 with cam hart yeah that'd be lit i mean steph curry's a golf head too tony romo a bunch of guys yeah i couldn't bet with them dudes though the way oh cam you like you like you like michael jordan on the golf course maybe it's a chicago thing i just be getting all <laughs> type of money See, I respect the game too much. The game humbles you real quick, and I respect my money too much. So I yeah. don't like to gamble on the golf course. <laughs> lucky, okay. lucky, lucky, lucky podcast. Another thing they talked about, and we talked about this before the show, was uh, how great old preparation was for the youngsters because they felt like they didn't get the same type of prep same type of preparation when they were youngsters to be prepared to go in and cam hart made a good point he said one of the blessings about cal being hurt was that cal got hurt in the middle of the season right and our young guys had practiced and been prepared up to that point by coach freeman and were ready to come in and contribute so that the fall off wasn't as much as what it probably would have been if Kyle had gotten hurt before the Florida State game, and we had to go into game one without Kyle Hamilton. So he talked about that being a blessing and talked about the bowl preparation. But you kind of pushed back on that a little bit, a little bit when they tried to talk about the difference because your experience was, you know, under BK that you guys got preparation as youngsters. Yeah, like 100%. In, in my opinion, I thought offensively we was prepared. I just believe because – at the end of the day, at that point, we were so talented that I think the coaching got lazier because we went from preparing to, all right, we're just going to roll out here and they can't do nothing about it because we got a great offensive line and great talent around it. And when that waned off, like in 2016, when I'm like, all right, you got a young team, I better get to scheming some stuff up now. We're not right. going to be talent for talent because it's just too raw. 
it they didn't make the transition and, and what look what happened everybody got fired i mean it wasn't like i was lying but it was the truth and then start coaching some more so under bk you're just going to follow the script i think that's more of what uh they they weren't used to yeah after marcus freeman because marcus freeman's coming fresh just like how we talked about you know you dating another girlfriend after a long relationship and everything little that she's doing you just so impressed by it. she cooking and you like oh you cook grits like oh okay you they good like this all year round oh and I never had that with this with the cinnamon rolls too. Yeah. Oh, you know, so you folding laundry and and doing you know, so different stuff that you may not be used to is is more enamoring, especially when you like the person. Yeah. So with Marcus Freeman coming in, they thinking like, oh man, we going through boot camp. It's great. We right. You right. know, this is, I've never seen anything. Yeah, you haven't right. seen nothing like that. Right. Right. We've been used to the same thing. You know, we gotta. We in a new whip. You know, when LeBron got in that Hummer when he was 19 from Nike, it was just, you know, it was different. You know, that, that little Hummer was different. So that's all it is. But I do think that hopefully it transitions for them like it, like we saw. They didn't come out flat in the first half. So maybe the what the practice change up has been has been great for coming out better and maybe being prepared better for uh, the future, because like J.D. Bertrand said, he said, they, they got us right. You know, I don't, I don't know if we got to play it, but you already know what J.D. Bertrand says. So. You know what he said, bro? Every time somebody starts talking about coaching and adjusting <laughs> on the bowl game, it's like, come on, man. Y'all need to stop playing. He prepared us really yes. well. He had us ready for the high tempo. He had us ready. Like, it wasn't schematically. It was a little the little details of we missed tackles. We didn't win the 50-50 balls. Those little details, and we need to make sure we do that better, and it's on us. And going into the next season, I just want to make sure I focus on the fundamentals, the little things like finishing leverage tackles, not going one for one for blocks, just every little detail, just being able to enhance it. And then just being able to take that next step in leadership and be able to help this team become the team that we want to become. That cat, J.D., was still feeling the effects of that tempo. Do his hair. Yeah. My man couldn't even fix his hair out of the shower. Like, yeah, because the ball was going so fast, he turned on which way, you know, his hair is all over the place, you know, going crazy. It's like, yo, that was the best thing. It really was a blessing, man, because it really let you know what was going on. We're going to get to why that particular piece of video connects to what Marcus Freeman was doing all day yesterday, <laughs> like real talk. We'll get to that in a few minutes. It's a Lucky Lucky Podcast right here. Sean Davis with my boy Malik Zaire. We spin it different. I saw a comment that I wanted to bring up right here. Uh, let's see. My guy, oh, yeah, Brandon Stanton. Get a cooler ice down, a 12-pack and play 18. Nothing better, Sean. Now, I agree. There's nothing better than playing 18. But that 12-pack, come on, man. I don't understand how people drink beer and play golf. Golf is already the most difficult game in the world to me. But that's that's why you got to relax. Just like Shane Battier used to hit them two Miller lights or Bud lights or whatever before every game. So you're telling me the, the beer relaxes the nerves. I mean, what else can it? I mean, it definitely don't help. You know, I, I don't think it increases your, your accuracy or precision or nothing, but I do think – them, them times when you want to break your golf club because you don't it unhooked on the on the hole. You right. be like, you know what? That's okay. That's okay. I'm gonna get right. 
instead of breaking your club. <laughs> man, that's crazy. Here's somebody for you, man. I know you know about this, Eugene Williams. Say, ain't no other park I know or mess with other than Cedar Point. It is the roller coaster capital. See, we got to chill, Eugene. We talk about Kings Island. Okay, I'm going to give you a gem from Ohio. It's called Kings Island. And what's even more special is right attached to Kings Island, you got a water park. Something you're not going to find too often, not only in the Midwest, but in the country of that type of quality. Yeah. It's a one of one. It's not a copy like a Cedar Point or a Six Flags, you know. It's one of one. It's in Cincinnati, Ohio. You got to go. You got to go. I got Will Chesnick. I was at Disney World last week. Honestly, you get used to waiting in line. Well, first of all, I get the pass, and you know, because of where I work, you know, that's that's the hookup since Disney is the uh, operating company <laughs> for the network. Uh, I was listening to this pod in line. Yo, we appreciate you. That's what's up. Yeah, that's what's you up. Were killing me and my bro was that Tyler Buckner pod a few weeks back. <laughs> last <laughs> yeah, so. That's what I'm saying, man. It's like, hey, by the way, the best time to go to Disney World, I don't care. Look, man, if you have kids, take the the uh, holiday spectacular. I think it starts like the middle of December and goes up into New Year's Day. Uh, the, the park is filled with like three cups of hot chocolate and all types of cookies. Free. It's, and everything is like 60, I think it's like 30% off, uh, 30, 40% off regular ticket prices. Interesting. Yeah, because everybody comes in the summer. So they had to do something to get people to come down in the winter. You know, so and if you go and if you go to the one in, in, in Florida, you'll find a Nora whiskey at the resort real soon. That's what's up. Really? Yeah, we got a we got a club over there. So now I have to get out to the joint in LA because my baby girl told me that the Avengers joint out there is, is ridiculous. Okay. Yeah, they finally opened the Avengers thing out there at Disneyland. She was like, yo, you got to go see it. Like, it's it's amazing. Yeah, and the one in Anaheim is pretty cool. It's uh, it's just a smaller version. You go down to Florida, it's just so much bigger. It's just it's just different, you know. No, Florida is too much. You can't even get to everything. If you take no, a week, you, you still won't be able to get to everything. It's like a city or something. Man. And I'm a kid. I'm a kid when I go. Like the Fantasmic show at the end of the night at nine o'clock, I need to see it. The laser show. I need to see it. <laughs> I need to see it, man. I'm like a big kid. I love it, dude. After that 18, you gotta go, you know. <laughs> I mean, every time I see Mickey walking the streets, I'm like, yo, they go, Mick. Mick. What's up, Mick? My guy, what up? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So yeah, it was very refreshing to hear them, you know, kind of take responsibility for the game and say, yo, that's not on Coach Freeman. Like, he had us totally prepared. And he told us that they're going to go. He pretty much laid out the game. He said, we're going to dominate them. There's nothing they can do with us. They're going to go to the only thing they have, which is the tempo. And if we make plays, we win this game. He said, they told us that. He told us that. And it played out the same way he told us. So it had nothing to do with preparation, had nothing to do with coaching. We just didn't make the plays. Didn't make the plays. Hey, man, so that's that was refreshing. And I hope all of the Notre Dame fan base can kind of like 
Woosah off that Fiesta Bowl now and just say, okay, we just didn't get it done. We just didn't get it done. Let's move on to 2022. So, Marcus Freeman, we thought the Carnell Tate, great interview. Go watch it. If you haven't watched it, let everybody know. Retweet it. Get it out there. Let everybody know. It's a great interview. The IMG, five-star, wide receiver target for Notre Dame. Chicago kid, great interview. We love talking to him. Notre Dame, Tommy Reese, Marcus Freeman went back to IMG. They were there Friday. They went back yesterday. Not only did they go back, Marcus Freeman walked straight into the coach's office, sat down, and said, I need to see your roster. He pulled out the nice little laminated roster. Marcus Freeman was like, I want him. I want him. I want him. I want him, and I want him. Unprecedented. Because usually we go after one athlete at IMG, and that's it. Like, okay, we want Houston Griffin because he's a Chicago kid. He's a local kid. Maybe we can get him. Marcus Freeman walked in like, man, give me your top five. Give me your best offensive lineman. I want both of your linebackers. Give me yeah. both. I want yeah. both of your linebackers, all right? And I want that defensive end. And I want Carnell. I want all five. Yeah, yeah that's right. Big, and, and, big boy recruiting. And that's the definition of shopping without looking at the tag. I mean, Marcus Freeman knew where he was going. He went yes. to the Gucci store at yes. the outlet. Yes. And he was like, oh, it's a sale? Oh, yeah, yes. let me just start grabbing. Don't even tell me the price. I'm going to ring it up when I get there. And I don't, need, I don't need the waiting room. I don't need to try stuff on. I no, I don't need that. it. I'm going to just show it in front of the mirror like this. I'm be like, yes, yes, that's it. Okay, that's okay, it. Throw it, it. throw it in there. Bro, and we're good. This right and here, good. already got the shoes to go with this. I already I got, got the shoes. I don't buy no shoes to go with this. Yeah, he said, he said, he said, my, I said, he said, I got the two fairy. They done treat me real nice. I don't have to be stingy. I'm yeah. not a one item guy today. I got the whole, I'm going grocery shopping. And that's exactly what you want. When you're talking about how are we going to close the gap, you got to go shop for the better ingredients. He, he got you gave a Dayton kid. You know the Wright brothers of Dayton, Ohio. You know if it wasn't for the, for us, we wouldn't be in this aviation game. You know what I mean? But you gave a Dayton kid a, a PJ, not the ones you pack for your son or your daughter going to school in the morning, but the PJ you get on to go around the country to go grocery shopping. And Jack Swarbrick gonna gave the keys to this man, and he coming back. With some ingredients, something like ratatouille. Call him Marcus Freeman ratatouille. He gonna come in there and cook something crazy. Yo, he said, "Slow up on hiring these coaches, man. Let's use that <laughs> money for this gas on this PJ. That's what we need right now. Let's pay for this this gas for the PJ. Yeah, tough to make. I gotta go from Texas to Florida back to Texas. Yeah, a span of thirty six hours. Let's make. And it he he ain't, and he's shopping where it's hot at. Oh, you know, sure. he, he ain't shopping in no cold weather client going Texas up to no Canada. Yeah, he yeah, he going to the best outlets, and that's where the sun's shining. He ain't shop, he's shopping where them the mother big spenders, the Bama and the Georges is shopping. He said sure. he looked on the back, sure. he said, Y'all fresh. For sure. He said, I'm trying to get fresh, like I gotta go shop at y'all store. For sure. Like in two so or he three went years, straight down there. Two or three years, like real talk. I never forget. I was in a store. I'm not going to name drop, but I see this entertainer walk in, right? So I'm like, yo, this dude is shopping, shopping, shopping. And he walked out. 
And so when I got to the counter, I'm like, yo, did he just like, man, he didn't want his stuff? And they were like, no, he's in the system. We'll ship it to him. Yeah. I was like, oh, snap. That's how Marcus Freeman's going to get to that point at IMG. Yeah. And if you you ain't got like, to come by. Phone call a coach. I want him, him, him. I ain't got to come see you face to face. I'm in the system. It. You already no, got the address. You know the that's address right. to the Google. Just yeah, and it, it, shipping is free. That's right. Shipping that's is free. Right. You know, we we, pay we, for that. Don't worry about that. We got the shipping covered. We're going to pay for that. Just send that five star. Send that five that's star. Send that they five just going to send them a little pamphlet every year. Little brochure, who are you shopping for today? We're going here and Fact. put the order in. Put the order Fact. in. There's nothing worse. There's nothing worse. Maybe not you, bro, but it's nothing worse than going to the mall with your girl or your sisters. You know what I'm saying? Because women do it different. They got to try everything on. Yeah. You know, they got to buy something from here, then go get something to match, to put the outfit together at the other store, go buy the shoes. Well, then they'll get a bunch of stuff and then realize, like, no. Nah, I don't want that. Like we just wasted 30 minutes in the spot and you don't even want anything out of here. Man, true story. I get the polo factory emails, man. Like they shoot you something like, man, 30% off for the next three days. Right. So they sent one that was like 40% off. It was right after the new year. Right. I hopped up, drove out to the outlet out by O'Hare. It's a brand new fashion outlet mall. Came back had the bags my mother's like that's the only bag i'm like yeah she's yeah. like you drove 45 miles for one store i said yeah yeah you real modest yeah <laughs> yeah i didn't want anything else i ain't got no time to be wasting my time my time is valuable i'm not about to be walking around that mall i don't want anything else in the mall i was strictly going there for the ralph lauren horse that's it that's it they sent for the horse that's why I went. I did it. I'm done. I'm back at the crib. Like with a, you, with a fresh one. With a fresh one. You would have spent the entire day out there. You would have had lunch somewhere. You would have shopped some more. Then had dinner. I don't have all that time. No. That's Marcus Freeman. He's going direct. I don't have time. Yeah. I got an hour to spend with you, man. We don't need to talk about the school. I don't need a tour. Let's yeah, come no, no tour. Show me this roster. I'm a circle who I want. Yeah. I'll let them, and I'm out of here because I got to be in Texas in like three hours. No, 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 no I got to slide to Tampa. You right, know, to Tampa. I don't, don't want to miss out. Right, right. I slide to Tampa to get another linebacker, which we'll talk about. Yeah, and yeah then after right. that, Then I got to go to Allen High School, who's the back-to-back champions in Texas, and tell that coach the exact same thing. Yeah, he said, I, I'm on this, I'm trying to beat the sun. Right. You know, y'all over here wasting time. I got gas, mileage, Delta. I'm trying to increase my, my mileage on. I like being in the air, guys, and I want to be able to come here, show my face, show that I'm coming to be for real, and you don't have to worry about the little the little guys coming. I'm coming. Man. Because that's I, important. I bought one Lazada checked in and say J.D. JD Bertrand looking like Jake Paul after a fight with Mike Tyson. That's funny. <laughs> They getting what thirty four on the answer? Look like you look like Mike Tyson. <laughs> oh, dude! Lucky Lucky podcast, man. Talking about Marcus Freeman now the position that he was going heavy on yesterday. We talked about how this relates to Tommy Reeves, right? 
And Tommy Reese have to he has to get out of his comfort zone to go get guys like Dante Moore. And we talked about on yesterday's show. Tommy Reese has been putting in work from everything we're hearing from recruits. Tommy Reese is putting in that work. He's building great relationships with quarterbacks and wide receivers in the 2023 class. That's something we like to hear. But that cat, Marcus Freeman, is hell-bent on changing Notre Dame to linebacker you, bro. Yeah, he said, if anything, me being a linebacker, in my experience, we're not going to be anything but linebacking you first. You know, O-line, you's great, all that, but we are recruiting as many linebackers as possible. We got the one in 2023. It's number one. We got Jalen Sneed, got Prince Collins. It's going to be a fun time watching how that develops because I think, and even with the defensive coordinator, it doesn't even matter because Marcus Freeman is making sure that the one thing that you're going to know about Notre Dame is that we got the linebackers. That middle of the field is, is closed for business. Right. You know, we're going to have a lot of things running and flying, sideline to sideline, and he's making it a point that if anything else, he's going to have a top defensive class and defensive unit in the country. Like, he already got the top linebacker core coming in for the 22 class. Drake Bowen is a great start for the next class. Along that room going to be filled with a lot of weights and protein. Man. I'm telling you that. We're about to get busy. It's going to be linebacker you in a couple of years at Notre Dame. We talked about changing the U's at Notre Dame. Linebacker you is coming. It's, it's definitely coming. coming. And it's good because, you know, I think it's going to be the centerpiece of what we look at. You know, even though we've had great individual linebackers through the years, um, I mean, great, great. Jalen Smith, man, yeah. Ty, you know, along those lines, Awusu. Now you're going to have all three type of those type of players at the same time. Yeah. That's the type of recruiter Marcus Freeman's been putting together. And he knows what the formula look like. He's been in Ohio State when he had them linebackers, Vernon Golson and James Laronitis, A.J. Hawk, him. You know, real, real deal, yeah. uh, real deal killers. So it's exciting to see him bring that same flavor. You know, I, I used to – I'm telling people, it's the – it's the fighting Irish Bearcats from Columbus. You know, you got a whole bunch of uh, influence from those two schools, and he even hired James Leonidas to be a linebacking consultant, just in case you got some questions because that linebacking room going to be thick. Just in case you got some questions on what you can do, holla at James Leonidas because he don't really have a specific coaching job. But I do know that he's going to be in that linebacking room shaking things up, making right. it more special. Like, we don't just have guys that can tell you about it. We got guys that did it. That did it. We got guys both that us, did it. Both of us played. He played in the league. He he a linebacking coach. He's just here. He, he Whatever you got to ask, he's right here. Charlie Weiss, last belt loop, said linebacker and corner you. I wouldn't be mad at that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be, mad be mad at that. At that. But that's the same type of attention to detail we need on the offensive side. You know, Tommy need a guy like a right-hand man, sort of like how Laronitis is, especially for him having so much uh, control over what's going on over that offensive side of the ball, especially in the recruiting sector. Yo, Jeff Fluke, and yet linebackers were a weakness last year. Well, it wasn't on Marcus Freeman. You can't look. He's bringing. You're seeing. If anything, you're seeing his guys coming in. 
He ain't no. recruiting guys. No. He ain't recruiting guys. Let's keep it a buck. He came in, he watched film, and immediately went and recruited the number one linebacking class. Keep it a buck. Like that old comment, yes. He recognized what the weakness was. Let's keep it a buck. That's why he went and got the number one recruit class in linebackers. Because he knew. He knew. He watched the film and said, nah. This uh-uh. is not going to get it done. This is not going to get it. No. And, 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 this, is and good enough, this is good enough to stay where we are. See, because people, people might take this as being like, speaking negatively about the current linebackers. It's not what we're saying. If you want to win games, no. 10 games, 11 games. We're talking cool. one or two games better. If you want to win national championships, the level of play at that position has to go to another level. And you have to and we seen we see what it looked like in the championship game. We don't have linebackers that intense no. like that championship game. No. And they were Coming going down here. They were going too deep at the position. That's the crazy too thing. Too deep. And it looked like they was fresh all game. <laughs> like, come on. We we just talking to so what can like we do man. to get that much better? Absolutely. Because these guys that we had are, I mean, come on, they're good. 10 games, we 10, 11 games, eight games, you know. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, J.D. Bertrand and Kaiser are on campus in a couple of months because that cat, Jalen Sneed, is on campus. In a couple of months, they're going to be looking on the practice field like, okay, we got we to gotta step our game up. Dog. Yeah, them boys going to be hitting them ladder drills and bags and weights. Young boys coming. And a lot of it too is is it, it just it should raise the level of competition on the team, and it should really make these guys really, really in my in my opinion, it should really make these guys focused on what's important, and that's getting an identity. One thing if you have it, a number one recruiting class at linebackers that I'm thinking tough and physical off yeah. the rip. Yeah, that's what I'm expecting to see from the defense: tough and physical off the rip. 100% pedal to the metal. We're coming out strong because there's too much talent at one position that it should be able to influence the whole rest of the defense. I saw an interesting breakdown, which is funny. I think over the last 10 years, Notre Dame is top five in players drafted to the NFL or players in the NFL. I think they're fifth or sixth. But then players, programs that produce – players that are in the playoffs that made the playoffs this year, Notre Dame wasn't even in the top 12. It was just really weird. Like I was trying to see the correlation. Like, man, is that just circumstance? You know, is it elite players, guys being drafted in the top first two rounds that make an impact? It was just an interesting stat to look at. And I was like, yo, I'm going to keep a watch of this over the next few years to see if Notre Dame starts to make, to make more of an indent on, you know, playoff rosters as far as players that were drafted or came from the program. Yeah, I mean, you know, I feel like at this point we see what kind of teams favor us a lot. You could say the Steelers, the Chargers, uh, our heavy Notre Dame influence the Ravens got a lot of Notre Dame influence in there. So there's some teams that uh, 
we appear on more so than others. Yeah. And I just think that it's an identity fit. You think Notre Dame, you think of some discipline, you think of uh, high-quality players, and then you think of the Steelers. They have, usually have some high-quality players more times than not, some players that last a long time there. Yeah, Chargers usually got some high-quality. The Ravens, you know, high-quality organizations. So yeah. we fit with that in Detroit. You know, Detroit got us, a lot of our guys too, but in a program where you try to – or a team where you try to consistently be better, you need Notre Dame guys to build the team. I mean, Romeo is a, a cornerstone piece of the, of the defense. So uh, it's, it's cool to see us even have a presence in the NFL and compete with the schools that, I mean, get the acclaim every year. I mean, even though Alabama wins it every year, we put out just damn near the same amount of players they do in the league. So uh, it, it shows a lot. Podcast is almost that time of the show. Let's get some of your comments. Jeff Flute, my my fault for misunderstanding. I get what you were saying now, but yeah, I don't know if I would call Notre Dame linebacker you. It's called buckets. You three buckets players in the last seven years. Somebody award, yeah, something like that. I still wouldn't call it linebacker you though. Not from a consistency standpoint. Like every now and then we can get Manti, then we can get Jalen. It's been all right though. The position has been productive though. I'm keeping it real. It's been it's been productive in in what we've been doing, but it ain't been screen popping productive. Hmm. Productive, productive, but not screen popping productive. Yeah, it's productive in winning a, a great 10, 8, 9, 10, 11 game season. Yeah. But screen popping, we ain't blowing people out by shutting people out like Georgia, you know. Georgia was a screen popping defense. <laughs> people in the chat. Like is, Don't be mad. Notre Dame has less players than 12 other. Dude, I think Iowa has more players in the playoffs than Notre Dame. It's okay. Like people getting upset, like man, we got. But play. Iowa's players are linemen, though. Now, come on now. It's not not just linemen. They got safeties, DBs, definitely tight ends. Who's the tight end that's in the playoffs? Oh yeah, Kevin. That's about There's it. There's another one. I forget. It's like two tight ends. Like, dude, it's it was just like interesting, and I said it might not have meant anything. Chat is going up in arms. Like, man, we got players. I didn't say we didn't have any in the playoffs. I said they weren't top 12 with the number of players from a program in the playoffs. That's all the same. That's all I'm saying. And I didn't say it meant anything. I said I couldn't figure out if there was a correlation. Let's re- relax. I'm just throwing out something interesting that I saw because the chat is going crazy. Super chat. Hello 27. I think you're new, so we appreciate you. Thank you for tapping in. NILs get new players head to smaller schools for that now money, but with less exposure and weaker competition, does that hinder their evaluation to the NFL? Heck you know. If you can play, you can play. They'll find you anyway. You could be cast like Demarcus Ware, uh, Khalil Mack that played at 
Mac schools and smaller schools. If you can play, you can play. That's the coolest thing. Like the week of the senior bowl is huge because that's when you really start to see smaller school guys from smaller schools really dominate and make a name for themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Other guys, yep. Uh, Charlie Weiss, last belt loop. Malika Sean, why did Johnny Mazzell call out ND? I'm just curious. Because we become irrelevant in recruiting, something that got people nervous about. That's all. They they see might see that ND jet flying into Texas. Like, why are you at the airport so much, man? What you what you what you doing down here? You know, you know this is Texas country, man. Yeah. So he's just mad, man. He thought all the tweets about recruiting from Notre Dame fans were about the 22 season. You know, Texas A&M has the number one class, and Notre Dame fans were talking about having the number one class in 23. And in, in other words, he jumped into grown folks' business, and he needs to stay at the kitty table. Yeah, he's just nervous that even though Texas A&M doing that, they ain't get more attention than we are. So, oh, facts. Our girl DBZ, Sean the Slander. I'm sorry, my sister, but. <laughs> Y'all take too long at the mall, man. Y'all take up half of my day. Half of my day. Like, know what you want when you go there. Grab it and let's bounce. That's all we're asking. You don't have to try on five pairs of jeans to not buy one of them. Now, like, yeah, yeah, that's the problem. Y'all don't be getting nothing. Y'all nothing. do all that and not get nothing. <laughs> nothing. That's It'd be different if you did all that, had serious delineation, you got down to two, right. and then, you know, you you trying it on. Like, it's really important because you're going to wear them every day, I'm assuming, if you're doing that serious uh, research. And then you'd be like, uh, I'm good. <laughs> so you know how it is, dude. Yeah. So, yeah, we talked about the running back position at Notre Dame. The changes that look forward to look forward to the evolution of the running game under Tommy Rees. We also got into how that running back room looks going into 2022, and what to expect from guys like Aldrick Estimate, Logan Diggs, and Chris Tyree in the offense. We got into a little bit of inside the garage podcast and talking about some of their comments, and then we talked about yo Marcus Freeman and the way he's shopping at the big boy table. Very very happy about the work that he's putting in along with the rest of the staff and specifically Tommy Reeds. So, man, everything is looking up. Yo, it, it is great because now we can we can sit back and we can watch it develop in the spring. We can evaluate with a with an open mind that things are fresh, where that we're moving in the right direction. And on top of that, we can feel good that we know that it's not going to look how it has the 12 years before. So yeah. if that means anything of change, hopefully that makes us the one game better it takes to give us a chance to feel better about being in these playoffs and winning the national championship. You know what time it is. It's time to get petty. Oh, we did a good job executing. Are you upset with something? And fire up the Petticoat Junction train. I just don't like you. You don't? No. What is today's petty historic? Petty Junction. 
That's right. Pet Junction, each and every day, petty story of the day. Yo, I gotta get put 50 cent on the petty train, my brother. <laughs> Why is that? Yeah, you know, man. Defamation of character goes back to a beef he had with Tierra Marie. You know, he posted some uh he posted a video, man, that was uh unbecoming. And you know, she didn't like she blamed him for it. He sued her, seems like, for 30 stacks. But he did it because she he knew she didn't have it. Rightfully so. Which you, which I feel like if you do something that you know is not right, then you should be responsible for how they react. You can't, you can't tell them how to react. I mean, I agree to a certain, uh, to a certain point I agree, but Look, man, 50, let it go. Because he's still talking. <laughs> you know, 50's just the worst troll of all time, man. He's just super <laughs> on a petty train. He's posting on IG about a steal, talking about I need my 30,000. And that's interest with interest that's 35 now. Yeah, yeah, straight up. But could you put all this pressure on me? Defamation. I hurt my feelings. You know, you got to do feelings ain't hurt. You need to quit, man. Hey, <laughs> 50. He just did. He just woke up one morning and was like, "Oh yeah, man. Matter of fact, let me mess with her today." Yeah, let me go ahead and collect that. That you can go past, go and just give me that two hundred. Dude, stick to the power universe. You know what I'm saying, and get some better writers in there that can actually stretch out the story. It's line. not. Wait a minute. Wait. We're not going. We're not going to do the power slander because it's a great storyline. Yeah, bro. Stop. And on top of that, it's competing stop. with some of the greats. Stop. Really? It's better than the shy. For real? <laughs> Come on, man. Now, I'm not, look, I'm upset. Like most Chicagoans, we don't like the portrayal of the shy. Like yeah. people outside of Chicago. People outside of Chicago love the show. People in Chicago, we're like, dude, you're not even filming on the South Side. Stop disrespecting <laughs> us like that. Stop filming up North trying to portray it as the South Side. Like, if you can't sit down with the people that run the blocks and get permission to shoot on the block, that's on you. That's on you. That's on you. And Lena Waithe, you know, after 12 years on the South Side, she eventually moved to Evanston. So I know a lot of people like trying to take her card. But 12 years on the South Side, you're a South Side. Just because she graduated from Evanston Township, I I don't play that game. Like your formative years were on the South Side of Chicago, you're good with me. So 50 Cent, leave Tierra Marie alone, man. Stop, stop, That's stop petty. trying to stop trying to bite into that love and hip hop check, dude. <laughs> now, did you see this, bro? You're out in LA, but did you know this? This story just broke this weekend. U-Haul ran out of trucks in California, bro. I saw that. People moving all over the place. You do. California and Illinois ranked 49th and 50th in round trip U-Haul use. Most of the usage from California and Illinois are one way. So what does that let you know? <laughs> let you know, cats 
Number, I can tell you the number one reason: taxes for both states. Yeah. Taxes for both states are ridiculous, and people are heading to Texas and Florida. One yeah. Way from both states. Look, all I gotta say is, uh, super chat us up, baby. You know where we at. <laughs> so you all. Last but not least, yeah, I mean, it's petty. It's petty that it's, it came down to that. Texas yeah. done forced you all to almost go out of business in California. Almost man. going out of business in California. <laughs> so, so this is the petty thing because I am, in, you know, in broadcasting, man, and work both for radio and TV. Uh, I saw this clip on social media, and I have to. Every producer that was in the control room. They have to go on the petty train for what happened to this reporter on the scene. Starting to experience, unfortunately, in freeze thaw, we see this water main breaks. I just got hit by a car, but I'm well, okay, Tim. That's first um, for you on okay. TV, Tori. Oh. We're all good. I'm okay. Yeah, you know, that's oh, live TV for you. It's all good. I actually got hit by a car in college, too, just like that. Wow. I am so glad I'm okay. Yeah. You're okay. You're okay. We're all look, good. Look, look. This is like so. Bro. Bro. <laughs> look here, man. WVAZ in West Virginia. Everybody back in the control room. Got to get beat up. You're on the petty train. First of all, you're on a delay. You saw it happen before it went out over the airwaves. And you were too busy yeah. in the <laughs> and let that go out over, over, over the airways for every... That was embarrassing for that reporter, man. And she was a G because she kept reporting during the tumble. Yo. <laughs> I'm I'm fighting everybody there. First of all, how are you the cameraman looking at me seeing the car coming and not saying and nothing? Not say nothing. Thank you. Everybody <laughs> goes on the petty train. Everybody. That's crazy. <laughs> I got to see that again. Starting dude. to experience, unfortunately, in freeze thaw. Look. We see this. Hey, watch out, 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 watch out. Oh, watch out. I just got hit by a car, but I'm okay. I just got hit by a car, but I'm okay, Tim. That's um, I'm okay. We're all good. I'm okay. Yeah, you know, that's live TV for you. It's all good. I actually got hit by a car in college, too, just like that. Wow. I am so glad I'm okay. Yeah. You're okay. You're okay. Yo. You cannot be recruited at Notre Dame if you do not have a head on the swivel like her. She wouldn't be on the prospect list at all. She couldn't play <laughs> special teams at all. At all. Come on, fam. That, yo, I felt so bad for her, man. Yeah. And the drive, the driver needs to go on the petty train, too. Yeah, absolutely. Pay attention. You see that first stand there. Road rage. Like, man, if you, man, honk the horn. If you need you hitting people that You hitting people that standing still, man. You can't drive. Crazy. Subscribe, share, like, let everybody know about the Lucky Lucky podcast. We spent a different also available on Apple Podcasts, on A2S Network, and as always, presented and brought to you by Anora Whiskey. Go to AnoraWhiskey.com. It's that premium American whiskey. That's right, AnoraWhiskey.com. For my boy Malik Zaire, I'm Sean Davis at SD2Mics at Old Time Malik. We'll see you guys tomorrow morning for another edition 
of the Lucky Lefty Podcast. As always, spin it different today. Holla.